Hi everyone, my name is Alexa Scadillo and I'm on the Center for Individual and Organizational Performance team. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. I'm really grateful to have uh, Natalie McVeigh going over some neuro hacks in the new world that we live and work in. So how this is going to work is I'm going to get some questions going for Natalie and she'll offer us some insight on how to keep ourselves going in these turbulent and changing times. So with that being said, let's get started. I want to begin with a brief overview of what the world looks like in the thick of this pandemic. What do you anticipate the future looking like in this post-COVID world and how do we cope? Great. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Um, I thought I'd just talk a little bit about what we're seeing in our clients and ourselves um, and some things you can do to be aware of what's going on. Uh, I love that today started with a quote. I'm going to add one, too. Um, It's one I use with the clients I work with and families because in our families, we change every day, but we don't notice how much we're changing. It's kind of like when you go to a reunion and you come back and you realize, they're all weird, but they all live in the same town and they're thinking that you're the weird one. So we don't see those minor changes. Uh, But it's an L.P. Hartley quote that says, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. Um, So our past, our pre-COVID lives are very different than this current time. And then everyone keeps talking about this next new normal. And I have really mixed feelings about this next new normal. And the research says the same thing because... Uh, COVID has been challenging, but in the ways it has been challenging, it has also created uh, a lot of opportunity, a lot of difference. One is really dealing with uncertainty. Our brains are not meant to deal with uncertainty, and it can cause unmitigated stress if we don't learn to deal with uh, uncertainty. But since there are tangible ways to deal with uncertainty, Losing the idea that we can cope with uncertainty is really hard. Uh, One is that you can envision that future state without having all the data and and do that based on what success measures there are and then also regulate our expectations. I think most of us have been regulating our expectations. If we cast our mind back a year ago on what was a good time, sometimes just having a good time now is just getting through the day and not hearing complaints from our friends. Our family is healthy. Um, And being able to make choices with the limited data that you have, uh, which is really useful because we know that one of the main differentiators for leaders nowadays is decisiveness. And we're too often experiencing analysis paralysis and we have to are forced to, to choose now. So that's one of the, the, the things is we're able to deal with uncertainty better. Natalie, that's great. Thank you. I'm glad you touched on uncertainty. We really are in such unexplored and unchartered territory. I mean, with this comes the development of new habits, new stressors. And one stressor that I've heard in particular is this theme of Zoom fatigue. What do you suggest we do to distance ourselves from this? So Zoom fatigue has several components. Uh, One, it has to do with stacking meetings because we're meant to single focus. So if I go from this to the next thing to the next thing without giving myself a buffer, five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, if you can only get 30 seconds, but really shifting off, closing your eyes, whatever it takes, uh, what we end up doing is taxing our brain double because we haven't finished the thing we were already thinking about before we move on to the next thing. At least I can tell you in my work, what that looks like is my memory is getting compromised. I used to have 
you know, an almost perfect memory. And now I'll be talking to partners about a family and I'm mixing them up and it's, I'm not giving myself enough space. The other issue with zoom fatigue is that we're looking at ourselves. So whenever possible, finding a way that you can't see yourself when you're on the screen, uh, because what we're used to doing is looking at other people's uh, cues to see how they're doing. But when we see ourselves, we become self-conscious. And so we end up looking at ourselves and we're monitoring our normal reactions as we're going on. So there's this secondary level of exhaustion that's happening from Zoom fatigue. And the other is just the amount of time that we're on screens. I've if you've ever heard me talk, I've said it and I'll say it again. Get some, you know, anti-fatigue glasses. Uh, I have two versions, this one for the day. And as soon as it turns five o'clock, I have, have another one that uh, looks stupider, uh, but is a really, really good conversation starter. You know, I've sat in on calls and heard clients repeatedly express how much they miss the in-person connectedness that comes with working in an office, being able to see your colleagues, you know, for coffee in the morning, during lunchtime, etc. It's an unfortunate consequence of COVID that we don't have the sort of connectedness or opportunity to collaborate in person. So how do you suggest we remain collaborative in our workspace with such a lack of in-person connection? So of that time that we're at home, we're doing less and less collaboration. So finding ways to make our meetings and our joint time feel collaborative is going to be the most effective thing uh, because we can get a lot done asynchronously yet we're missing a bunch of thought leadership there. We're also missing that connection. We're missing that idea that we feel like team, that we can trust each other. So finding small ways, uh, it could be someone reviewing an email for you. It, it can be anything very simple, but finding ways to uh, put more hands on an idea than just your own and not worry about reaching out. I want to stay on the subject of connectedness. Social media is a great way for us to remain connected with each other. And some research has shown that since the pandemic, social media users are spending an additional one to two hours on social media a day. What's the impact of this? The other thing that we want to discard is really this fear of missing out. Um, I know that sounds really hard to do, uh, but social media it has always been really challenging. They did studies as early as 2010, which if you think about the advent of, advent of social media, that was pretty early on in social media's life. And the studies since then have consistently said the same thing, uh, which is social media asks us to do things differently than we'd like to do. Uh, they're shaming us. And right now what people are shaming us about, and they're not meaning to, uh, are all the things they've accomplished during COVID, where sometimes the only thing you can get up and do is your job and someone else has learned a language and someone else is getting another credential. And you're like, I I'm just doing the things that I need to do to get through. So really putting aside uh, that external expectation and creating realistic expectations for yourself, that change daily. So you want to have overarching goals. And for those of you who passed the CPA exam, that's incredible. And congratulations to you. And my guess is you knew that that was your overarching goal. And there are some days where you just can't meet that goal. So if you have a two-hour study session each night, I, I've never taken the CPEC exam, so I don't know, but I can tell you with one of the exams I'm studying for, that's my goal is two hours each day. And some days I say, today is the day that there's no studying. Or I say, today it's a half an hour, and that's all that I can do. And to not really compare yourself to other people is going to be really helpful. 
because what we end up doing is adding more and more and more things to us. And we create that load in our brain and our brain can only hold so much information. We, we have always called it the teacup theory. Uh, the teacup theory is like you have a teacup and it'll only hold so much tea and something else will escape from that. So being really clear on what we're putting in our teacup so that we understand what's going to come out the other end because we're we have to sacrifice something we're not a renewable resource our time is finite our energy is finite so understanding when you're getting those FOMO moments what's really there and what would you lose to do that one thing that's outside of you gosh you know this is just such a heavy subject I can feel myself needing to just Take a deep breath asking you these questions. A lot of us are proactive people. We don't want to feel like this. We don't want to feel this weight that comes from it. And so what are proactive ways you see us combating volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, all of these trends that have just been coming from working during a pandemic, existing during a pandemic? Uh, Great point, Alexa, because this isn't really just about what's happening to you. It's about how you can understand it to do more. Uh, So there are three main things. Uh, One is monitoring your energy. The reason I even got screen fatigue glasses was I'd be working and realize that I was really tired at night, even though I hadn't done anything physical. Um, And I had a conversation with my doctor who described to me that my screen time had increased because everyone's screen time has increased. We've lost that commute time, which most of us are happy about, but we're starting work right away. Our days are longer. So what's taxing you? Understand that in your body, in your energy, and then try to do something about it. The other is ask for help. We talked a lot about connection today. And believe it or not, we're always worried about asking for help because we're afraid someone will think less of us. The research says the opposite, that I like to be congruent. Therefore, if I help you, I want you to succeed. It makes me closer to you, makes you closer to me. And the last one is really the tools you've all heard of, rest, mindfulness, meditation, or somatic movement, which we call yoga. And the reason these physical and mental exercises combined help us is that we're doing these things very separately. We're separating our mind from our emotional experience, from our physical body, which is making us work harder to again stay congruent. So those three things, even honestly, take two out of the three, practice intentionally, and you'll see a world of difference. Breathing techniques are a great tool to get your head into the mind space that you need it to be to tackle whatever your next task is in the day. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Your insight has provided so much clarity in a time of real uncertainty. For everybody else who's listening, if you'd like more information, please go to our website. That's eisneramper.com forward slash PSYOP, C-I-O-P.